Good day and welcome to ProAssurance First Quarter Conference Call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Frank O'Neill. Please go ahead. Thank you, Jessica. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for your interest and participation in our call to discuss ProAssurance's first quarter 2014 results. This is our first quarter segment recording, and you'll notice the news release we issued on May 6, 2014, provides unaudited holding company and segment results. We provided the additional detail in the release in advance of our 10Q, which we expect to file tomorrow, sometime late in the day, May 8th, or early on Friday, May 9th. These documents, along with our latest SEC filings, provide you with important information about the significant risks and other factors that could affect our business. Please read and understand these risk factors and be aware that statements we make on this call dealing with projections, estimates, and expectations are explicitly identified as forward-looking statements subject to safe harbor protections reserved for these statements. Except as required by law or regulation, we will not undertake and expressly disclaim any obligation to update or alter information we disclose as part of these forward-looking statements. The content of this call is accurate only on May 7, 2014. If you're reading a transcript, please know that we have not reviewed it for accuracy Thus, it may contain errors that could materially alter the intent or meaning of our statements. We will be referencing non-GAAP items in our call today. Please refer to our recent news release for a reconciliation of these non-GAAP numbers to their GAAP counterparts. We will be discussing consolidated company results and results from four segments today. Specialty property and casualty, or specialty P&C, essentially our business prior to January 1st of this year workers' compensation, which is Eastern, Lloyd's, which reflects the results from our investment in Syndicate 1729, and corporate, which is basically our non-insurance operations, such as our internal agency, our investments and taxes, excluding those related to Lloyd's, and as well our debt. Participating in today's call are Howard Friedman, president of our Healthcare Professional Liability Group, our Chief Financial Officer and Executive Vice President, Ned Rand, Mike Boguski, the President of Eastern Alliance Insurance Group, and our Chairman and CEO, Stan Starnes, who will start us off with some opening thoughts. Stan? Thanks, Frank, and my thanks to everyone for joining us. With our transition to segment reporting, we are anticipating a number of questions, so we'll keep our prepared remarks to a minimum. I'll start by saying we're pleased with our overall results. We added significantly to the top line through the addition of Eastern Alliance Insurance Group, which we'll refer to as Eastern on this call. But more importantly, Eastern helped us maintain strong bottom line results. Specialty P&C produced solid results in the face of a market that continues to be very competitive. And we continued to return capital to shareholders through share repurchases and dividends, all while growing book value per share. Frank? Thank you, Stan. We'll start first with Howard Friedman to touch on highlights in specialty P&C and Lloyd's. Then we'll hear from Mike Boguski on workers' comp, and Ned Rand will wrap up the discussion with uh, remarks about our corporate segment and our consolidated results. But first, Howard Friedman. Thanks, Frank. As in previous quarters, I can tell you that this is a highly competitive segment within all the lines of business. In the professional liability lines, physician business was approximately $111 million, a decline of about 
we did write $5 million of new physician business, and premium retention was 87%, level with the first quarter of 2013. Average physician renewal rates were one point lower than in 2013. Premiums for professionals grouped into our other healthcare providers classification, mostly dentists, chiropractors, and allied health professionals, were $8.8 million, up 1.4% quarter over quarter. Premiums in our legal professional liability line also increased to $8.8 million, up almost 9%, with $1 million of new business and higher pricing on renewals. Premiums in medical technology and life sciences, the product liability line in this segment, were $7 million, a year-over-year increase of 17%. Note that premiums for healthcare facilities were $10.8 million, up almost 6%, but that is mostly due to the timing of renewals. As we noted in the news release, loss trends remained unchanged overall. We make adjustments in our loss assumptions based on periodic actuarial evaluations, but there were no major adjustments up or down that would signal a different loss environment. That said, we did see an increase in the current accident year net loss ratio. This primarily reflects the effect of seeding a greater portion of our total premiums, a slightly higher accrual for internal claims adjustment expenses, and recognizing administrative claims defense costs on a quarterly basis rather than as part of the fourth quarter reserve review adjustment. An example of an administrative claim would be a billing dispute or regulatory investigation for which we provide limited defense-only coverage. Next quarter will reflect the first session of premium from our podiatric business to fulfill commitments we made to Lloyd's as part of the entry process. That will be $5 million for the quarter and you will see 58% of that premium come back to us through our syndicate participation. Frank? Thank you, Howard. We'll now bring in Mike Boguski to discuss the workers' compensation line. Mike? Thanks, Frank. All of us at Eastern are extremely pleased to join the pro-assurance organization. The first quarter was a solid start to 2014 for the workers' compensation segment, and one in which I believe Eastern made a meaningful contribution to pro-assurance both financially and operationally. I was particularly pleased with the 2014 first quarter calendar year combined ratio of 97.1%, which includes 2.9 percentage points of intangible asset amortization and 4.3 percentage points of one-time expenses primarily related to pro-assurance's acquisition of Eastern. Workers' compensation gross written premium of $65.9 million for the quarter included $12 million of new business. We achieved 82% premium retention in our existing book, a bit lower than last year due to a variety of reasons, including economic conditions, competitive pressures, and an absolute commitment to maintain our underwriting standards. The company benefited from premium renewal rate increases of 1.7% and approximately $300,000 in audit premium. This is premium recognized as a result of auditing insured payrolls following the expiration of the policy. The company's calendar year loss ratio is 62.8% and includes a 2.9 percentage point reduction in prior accident year reserves, primarily related to our alternative markets business. We continue to be a short-tailed rider of workers' compensation insurance as evidenced by the fact that the company has only 18 open claims in our traditional business, 
net of reinsurance for accident years 2007 and prior. The company closed 14.8% of prior year open claims during the quarter. The workers' compensation expense ratio was 27.1% for the first quarter of 2014, excluding the impact of intangible asset amortization and certain one-time expenses. This was driven by solid growth in net earned premium and prudent expense management. I would like to briefly review our alternative markets business and structure, which is provided through our wholly owned Cayman Island subsidiary, Eastern Re, a seg segregated portfolio cell company. We offer alternative market workers' compensation solutions to individual companies, groups, and associations, which we refer to as segregated portfolio cell participants through the creation of segregated portfolio cells. The insurance coverage is underwritten through Eastern's domestic alternative market business unit and ceded 100% to the segregated portfolio cells at Eastern Re. The pool of assets and associated liabilities of each segregated portfolio cell are solely for the benefit of the segregated portfolio cell participants of that individual cell. The segregated portfolio structure permits us to provide customers with a turnkey alternative market solution that includes program design, fronting, claims administration, risk management, segregated portfolio cell rental, asset management, and segregated portfolio management services. The segregated portfolio cell structure provides participants the opportunity to participate in the financial results derived from their respective segregated portfolio cells recognized as segregated portfolio cell dividend expense. Eastern is a preferred shareholder in certain of the segregated portfolio cells. For those segregated portfolio cells in which we participate, Eastern shares in the financial results of those cells and recognizes its share of the segregated portfolio cell dividend. For the first quarter of 2014, we recorded a segregated portfolio cell dividend expense of approximately $1 million, which represents the expected dividend payout, less Eastern's ownership interest to those third-party segregated portfolio cell participants for the first quarter of 2014 financial results. As both ProAssurance and Eastern expected, there is crossover product interest from healthcare entities in the segregated portfolio cell structure. For these healthcare customers, moving their medical professional liability exposure into a segregated portfolio cell provides them with greater control and access to the exceptional claims and risk management resources of ProAssurance. We are also seeing significant crossover interest from agents who represent Eastern and the specialty PNC lines of ProAssurance. Based on pre-acquisition indications, we expected this to be a benefit of the transaction, and we are pleased to see the cross-referral interest coming to fruition. In summary, we are pleased with the solid start in 2014 with respect to the company's strategic business plan, which continues to focus on profitable organic growth initiatives and the ProAssurance Eastern integration. Frank? Thank you, Mike. Uh, we're going to go to Ned after we circle back to Howard for a couple of more remarks on Beloit's segment. Thanks, Frank. Uh, also, wanted to talk about what we're doing with our certitude program and CAP MPT. Okay, great. 
Our physician line continues to benefit from the Certitude program. We are already in eight states with Certitude and are on track to expand it into several more by year end. On the subject of expansion, in the physician line, we have now written our first non-podiatric physician business in New England as we continue expanding where we see opportunities to write profitably. This will add incremental premium in this segment. Another risk-sharing program that we believe holds great potential is our CAP Assurance Program with CAP MPT based in California. We have now written our first hospital in CAP Assurance to go along with policies that target large physician groups and certain non-California opportunities that CAP MPT cannot accommodate. There's not much to report this quarter on our Lloyd segment. From an operational standpoint, Syndicate 1729 began operations on January 1st, as expected, and is actively writing coverage. We incurred $875,000 in expense related to the Syndicate startup in the quarter. And as we mentioned on last quarter's call, we will be reporting operating results of our 58% participation in the Syndicate on a one-quarter lag due to the timing of results being reported to us. One exception is that investment results from funds on deposit at Lloyd's will be reported on a current quarter basis. These are the funds that secure our capital commitment to the syndicate. Frank? Okay, thank you, Howard. Ned, if you'll uh, talk about corporate and consolidated results, please. Sure, Frank. Given the level of financial detail we've provided in the news release, I'm gonna concentrate on providing background information and I'm bringing together the information provided by Howard and Mike. We're certainly open to hearing from you as to other information and discussion items we can provide to help you understand our segment-by-segment -segment results. Starting at the top of our consolidated results, the addition of Eastern to our group effective January 1st of this year was primarily responsible for the 34% increase in gross premiums written, with $218 million. Eastern brought $66 million of new premium to the group, $60 million on a net written basis and our specialty P&C line saw a year-over-year -year decline of about $11 million, with net written premium of $138 million. Howard mentioned several programs in which we are sharing risk with important business partners, and this has increased seated premiums within the specialty P&C segment over time. These shared risk programs accounted for $6.8 million of our seated premiums in the quarter, with partners such as Ascension Health, CAF MPT, and one of our larger agent partners. Our evaluation of favorable development of past accident years produced a $3.7 million reduction of seated premiums in the quarter on our swing-rated reinsurance treaties, compared to a $4.8 million reduction in first quarter 2013. Our net investment result in the quarter was down slightly, and there are a number of moving parts. Investment income, which is largely derived from our fixed income portfolio, was down reflecting both lower average balances in the portfolio and the continuation of the low interest rate environment. Our results from investment in unconsolidated subsidiaries swung from a small loss to a $1.7 million gain as a number of our private equity funds returned positive results in the quarter. The year-over-year -year decline in net realized investment gains is due to the significant increase in stock market valuations in the first quarter of 2013. Consolidated losses in the quarter were $89.5 million, reflecting $48.1 million of favorable reserve development for the quarter, as compared to $53 million in the first quarter last year. Of that $48.1 million, $46.8 million 
was for specialty PNC, primarily from accident years 2007 to 2011. The remaining $1.3 million was from workers' compensation. The loss ratio for the quarter was 52.1%, with the specialty PNC segment reporting a loss ratio of 48.3%, and workers' compensation reporting a loss ratio of 62.8%. The underwriting expense ratio was up three points in the quarter to 30.6%. Mike mentioned the impact that certain one-time charges had on the combined ratio of our workers' compensation segment. And these had a similar impact on the consolidated combined ratio and expense ratio. 1.9 points of the expense ratio in the quarter are attributable, attributable to these items related to Eastern. This includes one-time professional fees, transaction costs, and the amortization of intangibles. A half a point of the expense ratio was due to startup expenses from our Lloyds investment. Let me make a couple of observations on the bottom line. As we mentioned in our news release, net income declined year over year due to lower net realized investment gains in this year's first quarter, and the fact that last year we had the non-taxable gain from the acquisition of Medmark. Both of those factors are excluded from operating income, and the decline there was due to a higher effective tax rate in 2014 and the lower reserve recognition I mentioned a minute ago. We were active in share repurchase in the quarter, buying approximately 1.8 million shares at a total cost of $84 million, bringing weighted average shares outstanding to 61,251,000 shares, and on a diluted basis to 61,497,000. Year to date, we have repurchased approximately 2 million shares at a total cost of $91 million. That leaves us with $112 million in our current repurchase authorization. We believe buying at these levels is a sound investment in the future results of the company, given the value we see in our shares. At the same time, we recognize that the buyback can have a dampening effect on book value per share, which is one of our primary measures of overall success. At quarter end, book value per share increased to $39.51, and we estimate our share repurchase limited the growth of book value by 18 cents. Tangible book value per share was $34.15 at quarter end. Frank? Thanks, Ned. Stan, some final words before we take questions? Thanks, Frank. First, I'd like to thank everyone again for joining us on the call. I'll say that we welcome the challenges that are ahead of us as we adapt to the world <coughs> which evolves in healthcare. We continue to believe that ProAssurance is uniquely equipped to respond effectively to all that lies ahead. Our product depth and the experience and knowledge of the people behind those products is unmatched. We have the geographic reach and the capital to be wherever and whatever our customers need us to be, and we remain quite excited about the future. And finally, Frank, as a heads up to those on the call, there is a strong possibility that I will not be able to participate in the second quarter call. My wife and I will be celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary that week on the Baltic Sea. While I will record something before the call, logistics may not permit my live participation. Everyone will be in capable hands with our senior leadership team, and I doubt I will be missed. Questions, Frank? Thanks. Jessica, we'll open the lines now. Thank you. Thank you. If you'd like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Once again, that is star 1 to ask a question, and we'll go first to Matt Carletti with JMP Securities. Hey, good morning. 
Uh, just one uh, one quick question, just on the uh, the M and A front. We're just hoping you could maybe update us on um, you know in terms of pipeline, um, you know how M and A opportunities are looking, and, and more specifically, um, you know what what where what sort of segments you know you're seeing the most opportunity. Is it the traditional physician segment? You know, should we expect more in kind of more ancillary healthcare areas or, or med products, or where are you, you seeing the the most uh, intrigue? You know, Matt, we uh, we see interest from some part of all of those segments. Uh, as you know, it's very sporadic, uh, and, and it can't be planned or scheduled or sequenced in any sense. Uh, we look at a lot more than we conclude are actionable. Uh, we're very, very selective, as you know, in, in what we do and where we go. Uh, my sense is that in the coming years, we'll see more activity uh, in the medical professional line than other lines. But as I've said before, I also think because of the, the very uh, significant evolutionary changes in healthcare, we'll see significant opportunities for organic growth that we've not uh, seen in the past. Uh, but we're open to look at uh, to looking at opportunities in all of our segments, and as I say, uh, we have an awful lot of things come to us from time to time. Most of them uh, are not the right fit, but we continue to be active in that area. And then my only other question would be just on on Lloyd's. Um, I know it's, it's early days. It's been, um, I guess, you know, four going on five months now that it's been live. Um, but what's been the, uh, you know, the early reception and, I think, you know, your early take on, on um, you know, success? I'm out of Howard. Uh, the uh, reception in the London market to the syndicate and to Duncan Dale, the, the uh, lead underwriter of the syndicate, has been very good. Uh, he believes that he's getting great opportunities to see a, a wide range of submissions, uh, has written some and has turned down a lot uh, based on the market pricing, uh, but is basically uh, pleased with what he's seen in terms of both the variety and, and the quality of the submissions from the brokers. And and uh, in terms of the, the overall plan, I think we're going through the year and as the syndicate develops, as uh, some of the members who joined in the underwriting side, uh, served out their non-compete periods, uh, we'll see an increasing amount of activity in the remaining quarters. Thank, thanks a lot. Thanks very much for the answers, and uh, congrats on a very nice start to the year. Thanks, Matt. And we'll go next to Mark Hughes with SunTrust. Uh, thank you very much. Could you talk about the uh, uh, seasonal pattern of gross written premium at Eastern, just a general sense of how it uh, spreads out through the year? Mike. Yeah, I, I'm happy to yeah, comment on that. You know, for, you know, first of all, the um, you know, January is by far our, our largest month of the year. So your your for, first quarter is always pretty strong. We booked roughly 45 million in premium in that month alone. So uh, January and July are our two largest months. Uh, in July, our book of business is roughly 25 to 30 million. And then all the other months are fairly consistent as you look at it across the uh, the 12-month calendar period. So that $45 million in January and then the February and March would be more normal run rate? Exactly. Um, right, okay. And then the similar uh, distribution in 2Q or 3Q. Um, 
Could you talk about the, the, the pricing trends in workers' comp? I see it's up about 2%. How is, uh, where do we stand in the cycle? Is that going to zero soon? Is it, uh, is it stabilizing here at 2%? What do you think? Well, from Eastern's perspective, I mean, we continue to, to really focus on being an individual account underwriter, and then we'll continue to reflect that strategy. Uh, from a pricing perspective, uh, 2011 rates were up 2.5%, uh, 2012 3.7%, 2013 4.8%. And as you, as you noted, the first quarter was, you know, roughly 2%. So it is definitely uh, it's it's definitely stabilized. Um, I would say this as compared to um, those years, 2011 to 2013. Uh, we 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 had some larger players in the market uh, uh, become less uh, attractive with workers' comp. Some larger players and you know, dumped a couple billion dollars of premium out into the marketplace. Um, and then there was, and there was some pretty good opportunity. We have seen a, a, a reemergence of some of the stock stock carriers uh, going back into workers' comp, which is a, a pressure a pressure point. And we've we've also seen some trends with respect to um, you know healthcare uh, providers uh, starting workers' compensation operations, and uh, that particularly in Pennsylvania, that's it's added some competitive pressure. Um, we, we believe that from uh, the rate increases that we're chatting about in the first quarter here are sustainable throughout the remainder of the year. And then are those going to be enough to offset uh, inflation and losses? You know, we're, we're pretty fortunate on, on that front. We, we uh, from a medical inflation perspective, we, you know, we've always believed that the best strategy is to have our claims closed. And as you can see, uh, you know, in our information, uh, we only have 18 open uh, claims 2007 prior in our traditional book of business. And our five-year five weighted average medical inflation is about 0.6% within our book of business. And, and again, we also have um, a really strong stable of um, medical cost containment initiatives uh, surrounding our book of business with uh, preferred provider networks and pharmaceutical networks and such. So. Um, yeah, the, the, to answer your question directly, the 2% based on our book of business uh, will, will continue to be, uh, you know, adequate force. Ned, of those uh, uh, unusual expenses in the quarter, I guess 1.9 related to the Eastern amortization and one-timers, and then uh, half a point for Lloyd's, if I heard you correctly, how much of those continue into 2Q and beyond? So the, the transaction expenses with, with Eastern um, are, are more or less over and done with. Um, the amortization uh, will continue, and, and there's amortization, the number we reference there is amortization related to intangible assets from uh, the transaction with Eastern. There are also some amortization of intangible that has been on our books related to our acquisition uh, of API in Texas a number of years ago. And those will will continue, and I think the the life for those is is around seven years, ten years. Um, um, so we'll get, I'll get you a little more information on on that in just a second. Uh, the Lloyd's startup will continue to have startup costs around Lloyd's as well. Um, but in just a second, we'll get you a, a little more on the amortization expense, and there'll be okay. there'll be a, a good bit more information when we get our Q filed. 
And then so, yeah, an average of 13 years. Um, most of the stuff on the amortization of the intangibles is 15 years. Right. Okay. So of the 1.9 points, how much of that was the amortization that will persist? Yeah, the, the, ex the amortization expense was 1.3 million. 1.3. Okay. That that's good. And then, uh, is it possible in the future press releases with the the uh, uh, seated premiums uh, being uh, more significant in terms of the P&L to maybe give some more of that uh, uh, detail in terms of gross premiums earned, seated premiums, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, we're we're going to take a look at that. We you know we we made a lot of changes to the structure of the press release. Um, one because of the segmentation, and also in the recognition that our 10Q would be coming out not contemporaneous. Uh, with the press release as it has over the last number of years. And so um, Frank uh, will we'll be looking at kind of the feedback we get on the content and format of that, and we'll make some adjustments. Yeah, be sure and send me your wish list, Mark, and we'll take that into account as we format the next round. Okay, thank you. And we'll go next to Amit Kumar with Macquarie. Uh, thanks, and uh, good morning, and uh, congrats uh, not only on a strong quarter, uh, but uh, getting to that uh, 31st wedding anniversary. Um, just, uh, I guess, two quick questions for you. You're not there yet. Uh, <laughs> um, most of my questions were, were asked, but I wanted to go back to uh, the initial uh, uh, comment on uh, the cross-selling opportunity, and you alluded to uh, that in, in, in the opening remarks, too. Um, can, can you sort of, you know, expand on that? I know we talked about that a lot when the acquisition was happening. Um, maybe is there some sort of a metrics or in, in terms of a conversion rate or when you talk about the interest, I mean, how should we, you know, sort of think about that going forward? Power? Yeah, I can talk about it on the uh, on the uh, specialty P&C side, and, and uh, mm -hmm. Mike might have some comments on the workers' comp side of it. Um, I don't know if we can talk about a conversion rate, certainly not yet, um, mm -hmm. but we do see a fair amount of interest in, in a number of areas. Um, there are existing workers' comp clients that uh, are in healthcare, and we've already uh, had significant discussions with two of them about bringing the healthcare professional liability part of their exposure into their existing captive structure that uh, they have in place with Eastern Rate. Uh, we also have a number of agents that, on the healthcare side, that have an interest in being are representing Eastern, and at least a couple of them that I'm aware of have been uh, appointed by Eastern, and mm -hmm. that has to fit in with with Eastern's distribution model, which is is very specialized and and um, and focused. So I, I think the cross-selling opportunities are there; um, they're 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 live. Uh, but in terms of metrics, uh, we don't have anything at this point. And Mike, I don't know if you have anything to add on that. Uh, now, I agree with Howard's uh, assessment. I really have no further comment. Okay. Um, I guess the only other question I have, uh, I know we talked briefly about the loss cost trends. Um, can you sort of give us, um, and this might be for Howard, um, an update on, uh, I guess, the tow tree farm uh, challenges we might have seen recently? Thanks. In loss cost trends? Um, you know, challenges right now are really uh, just a matter of monitoring what's going on and potentially uh, in, in certain states where there have been changes. Uh, you know, we, I think we talked to 
maybe we didn't talk last time, uh, I don't remember the timing exactly, but in terms of Florida, for example, uh, mm -hmm. the Florida Supreme Court recently struck down part of the non-economic uh, caps that had been put in place. They struck down the portion of it that applies to wrongful death. Expectation is that if the um, pain and suffering cap, or when it comes up for review by the court, the same thing will happen. So the you know the issue there is predicting what effect that will have. We we believe that that will increase claim frequency just from the perspective of more interest in bringing medical professional liability claims now that the the cap is uh, at least in part no longer in place. On the whole, though. You know, we're not seeing much of a change. When you look at our overall book of business, uh, frequency is, is very stable, and severity is at a uh, also at a, a low and, and stable level. So the challenges really, I think, are more in terms of interpreting uh, what happens uh, as a result of particular court decisions or potential legislation in given states. And none of that was unexpected. No, it wasn't unexpected. It was just a matter of timing. And, and really now the, the question is um, what what we'll see over the next six months to a year. Got it. Okay. Uh, that's all I have for now. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the answers, and uh, good luck for the future. And once again, that is star one to ask a question, and we'll go next to Ryan Burns with Jamie Capital. Uh, great. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, just had one question on the the underlying loss ratio uptick. Um, you noted that part of it was from from seeding more business. Um, I guess if I think from a quarter share perspective, the, the underlying ratio underlying loss ratio shouldn't really be affected. But I'm guessing it's being affected because it's a, a regional issue. That maybe some of the states that you're seeding more business, seeding some of the business away, um, has a better profile than the the average. Is, is that the right way to think about it? I think there's a few things going on. Uh, one is, or one or two of them relate more to um, what I would call sort of the fixed component. Um, we have a, a increased amount of seated premium, but the internal costs of handling claims were up slightly. You could say relatively, you know, a, a small increase, but it, it's against a smaller base of, of seated premium. Now we still have to perform all those functions. Uh, this is the, the cost internal of uh, salaries, benefits, overhead, and everything related to our claims department. We also um, decided, uh, determined that we should be booking the uh, administrative claims defense cost, as I mentioned. Uh, we think that it's more appropriate to book that accrual quarterly now than at year end. So that, again, was a uh, an item of increase and against a lower premium base, so it had maybe even a little bit more of an effect than you might expect. Uh, I, I agree with your original comment that, you know, the session of the premium generally should not affect the loss ratio. Uh, we do receive seating commissions. We try to get those seating commissions to match the cost of the business that we are seating away. But some of this um, sort of fixed cost versus declining uh, net premium drove that, uh, that loss ratio change. Okay, great. And then just shifting to, cap to capital management a little bit, um, you guys showed a willingness clearly to, to buy your stock above book value and also a willingness to, to you guys repurchased, uh, you know, in the quarter, um, you know, more than your net income. Um, I guess, you know, in terms of buying more than net income, is that something that you guys are comfortable continuing to do or is that more of a one-time issue you get caught up from previous quarters? Just wanted to get your thoughts uh, on, on, that, on that thought process. Yeah, we, we really view it more from a kind of total capital position rather than what we've earned in, in a given quarter. Um, so, you know, as long as we are 
comfortable with where our capital position is uh, and where we think our capital position is headed, um, we'll, we'll continue to, to buy back um, stock until we reach a time where we think we are leveraging our capital to its fullest extent. Okay, great. That's all I had. Thanks, guys. And our last question comes from Barb, Bob Farnham with KBW. Hi, thanks, and good morning. Uh, actually, just one quick question for me. Are, are you going to use the same outside actuary to look at the workers' comp and the specialty P&C books, or are you going to be basically using the current actuaries over there? Um, we, we, are, we are changing actuaries at Eastern because the, the firm that was doing their actuarial work is our auditor, and so they no longer can provide that service. Um, that service will be provided um, by a different firm than the firm that does our specialty PNC work. All right, so the workers' comp and the PNC will, will have two separate actuaries looking at the different books. That's right. The, 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 worker, the workers' comp will be done by PricewaterhouseCoopers. The specialty PNC is all done by Towers Watson. Okay. That's it for me. Thanks. And there are no further questions at this time. Mr. O'Neill, I'll turn the call back over to you for any closing remarks. Thank you, Jessica, and thanks, everyone, for being with us. We will speak with you again in August. This does conclude today's conference. Thank you for your participation.